Daniel, why don't you come on up here? Why don't you, uh, this is Daniel Culpepper. And I'm just, I want Daniel to share four days from right now what that symbolizes. And Daniel has no idea what I'm preaching this morning. Uh, Daniel made some really bad decisions four years ago. And uh, there will come a day when the father releases him where his, his life will be a book and he's already being used as a, as a powerhouse. But why don't you tell your family, you're as involved here as, as anyone. My son, Jack, one time uh, Daniel had on a bandana and Jack thought Daniel was a pirate. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty cool. Uh, why don't you tell your family here four days from now what that represents? Um, it's just a power in the love of a father in a church who actually doesn't judge people and actually lets them come in broken, confused, scared, facing 25 years in jail and actually interceding and getting a kid to not have to go back to jail, to not struggle with heroin addiction, like, anymore. Like, I mean, it's, it's so real. And the thing is, in four days, I'll have four years under my belt. I spent 10 months. And I've literally only had two temptations, and one of them was a conversation, which was actually, it was just like, it wasn't even really a temptation. Like, I don't struggle anymore. I'm not, like, thinking about calling my old friends and, like, getting crap. I mean, I'm just, it's done, and I'm not going to do it again, and I, I know it. I'm not an addict. I've been delivered. Oh, I don't know. Why don't you extend your hands towards Daniel, and I just want to pray over him. Father, show me a picture that he's bringing you a lot of Daniels. And um, even when you were at your worst, uh, he still saw this potential in you. And he, now he just desires you to lead a lot of Daniels to freedom. I bless you with the Daniel anointing that uh, for the rest of your life, that your character and your integrity would just be amazing. Top of the food chain. I bless you with wisdom. I bless you with creativity. I bless you with influence and favor. Uh, there's a call on your life, and uh, your biggest struggle is just going to be patient to watch it manifest. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Uh, Will Hacker, can you stand up? Um, during the last worship song, it's funny because last night I spent some time with Will, and the father didn't tell me this. He's on his own terms, I guess. Uh, when you moved to Greenville, uh, it did not go here the way you thought it would go. And it's 100% sovereign, 100% uh, ordained. There's no mistakes made. And uh, you have skills and talents. I've never given that word. You have skills and talents that the father actually put there a long time ago. They didn't come out here. And you feel like at times they're not even coming out. It's all on purpose. And the father says the, the best tasting wine sits on the shelf for a long time. And it's... Not only has he not forgotten about you, it's, it is like you are in the center of his will. And it, it's so funny because I laugh because all, most of our God stories we think are different. They're actually very similar. Uh, 
it's the God narrative for something you think is going to happen not to happen. It's one day, you're, it's all going to make sense. But you're right where you're supposed to be. And uh, he's reminded me of that word I gave you a couple years ago about crushing grapes. That's like the worst word I've ever given anyone. And man, that thing's come to pass. And just let the grapes be, get crushed as much as they need to. Uh, there's a fermentation period. You're just right where you're supposed to be. I just want to pray for you. Father, I pray that in this desert season uh, for Will and his family, this beautiful ordained season, that you would give him such a loud message that it would even be carried to the nations, plural. I hear nations, plural. Uh, the way you've uh, even honored Darren in your heart and moved here, if you'll just be persistent, Will, you're going to be very surprised. And the Father wants you to know this so that when you go back, not only are you not alone, the ones he deems worthy of explosive growth and fruit, he tends to pull uh, him or her to the Father himself. The Father has desired a lot of alone time with you. And uh, I don't see that ending anytime soon. And it's ordained in its own purpose. In due season. In due season. Bless you. And I love you, brother, a lot. Well, hello. Uh, if anyone tells me what anyone is doing in the British Open, I will punch you right in your face. Um, people know I love golf. Please do not. I don't want to know. Don't come up and, and uh, tell me what's going on. Most of you are saying, what is the British Open? And that is part of your problem, to be honest with you. Uh, I wrote this down during worship. Chad, most people get stuck with me because they have a critical spirit. I've never desired for anyone to believe in me. The lowest demon in hell believes in me. I desire people to become one with me and to walk with me. I want people's hearts to be like my heart, and I want people's thoughts to be like my thoughts. Chad, the temptation in a prophetic culture is for people to become so familiar with me that they start to think they know better than anyone. Remind my people they are not me. Humility is seeing people better than yourself. Chad, demons believe in God. When you are around brokenness, do you empathize with those people, or do you think you always know better? The prophetic explodes more through this principle than it does through impartation. Many of my children seek impartation when they should be seeking how to think the way I think. That's not for me. I mean, I can't. The most powerful breakthrough in your life will come when you always have the ability to think like your father. Now, Jesus said something really interesting in John fourteen twenty eight. He says, the father who is greater than I am. So what does that mean? Today I'm going to talk about a passage of scripture that it's hard for me to believe. I've never preached through the prodigal son story, but I don't think I have. If I have, I don't remember it. It's not even a story about the son. It's not even a story about mistakes. It's a story about a dad. You know, 95% of the Bible is narrative. People in the West have a hard time connecting with God because we tend to think that he's wired more like a DVR manual than he is a plot or a narrative or a story. 95% of the Bible is narrative. You will find God when you learn to read the Bible through the context of story. You'll find God when you learn to listen to other people's stories, to empathize with them and not judge them for their stories. A lot of people in the West, God loves people in the West. He loves them. He doesn't show any favorites. 
but he, he has a hard time at times understanding us because number one, we're wired individualistically, if that's a word, we're very, we're individuals. And the greatest strength of America is that we're pioneers and we've grown more in 300 years and some countries have a lot longer than that. And that's also our biggest weakness. Typically in the middle of whatever your biggest virtue is, your biggest vice will lay right in the middle of it. (laughs) We're a mess down here. We're in process. And God's not trying to get us to believe in him. There's actually something that's more powerful than passion for God, and that's learning to think like him first before you develop a passion for him. Because misdirected passion destroys people, destroys continents. Zealousness is not a mark of someone in love with God. The men who flew the planes into the Twin Towers were zealous, thought they were literally going after God, being obedient to their God. And for me, the reason I love this story so much today is because my entire life, even to this day, I only want one thing. I really want to know the Father. I love when Solomon gets to the end of his life. It's kind of funny and a little bit depressing. But he's like, listen, all has been said and all has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments. I got nothing else to say. Mic drop, I'm out. He's done. I don't want to have to get to the end of my life and say that. I just want to know that now. I want to fear him and I want to know him. Jeremiah said early on, the way before the cross, if any man boasts, boast about this, that you know me. There's, there's something inside of me, even pastoring a church, that's even beyond like the prophetic. It's just knowing him. Think about the things that you've worried about this past week. There's going to come a day where you're on the other side of glory and you will not be able to remember what you worried about. As a matter of fact, I feel like he's showing me now, a year from now, what you worried about this week, you're not even going to remember. Like there should be something on the value list that you have. And at the top of that list, it should be, I just want to know you. Not for influence. Not even for, really not for anything other than what are you like? I mean, isn't there something, Chesterton used to say this, that inside the chest of every human being there's this longing to know not just where we came from who we came from and jesus says the father who's greater than he is and he tells a story he he tells a a great story about a father jesus accomplished everything in his life everything through intimacy with the father not just through anointing i'll be honest specifically being around charismatic circles, I don't want some big anointing and not to know who the anointing came from. I want to know uh, the way he is. Even when Paul prays for a revelation in Ephesians 1, he says that the purpose of revelation is to know him better. If you're not careful, you're going to want revelation for your own influence. Like to me, even just giving a word to Will, that, that's how the Father sees him. It's, it's not even about the words. I mean, some of these words, I see nations, plural. God's going to give you the globe. (laughs) How about this? He knows your name. Jesus says, I only say what I hear the father saying. You know what I love about the Zacchaeus story? The thing I love the most, he called him by name. Zacchaeus. He's probably thinking, have you just stopped to consider the fact that God knows your name? And can I say this? I'm a nice person. I'm a teddy bear. A lot of people think I'm mean. I'm not mean. I just get passionate. Stop worrying about your future or your destiny or your assignment or how the doors are going to open. Just get to know the Father. 
You know what's fun? You know you really know the Father and you really desire to know the Father that when doors do start uh, opening and you come out of your season of hiddenness into a season of manifestation or even you see a breakthrough in something you've been believing for for two or three years and when all the fruit starts showing up in your life, you still don't even look at the fruit. You still look at the one the fruit came from. You see, fruit can tempt a lot of people. Abundance makes most people fall. Lack does not. It's easier for a will hacker to hang on to God right now because he needs him every second of every day. Abraham Lincoln said he was never tempted until he won office, until he got there. The point before you were born was the father. You're not even your own idea. Arrogance, if you really break it down to a simplistic viewpoint, arrogance is really amusing. You didn't make yourself. You didn't raise yourself. You came into the world with nothing. No clothes on, nothing. I mean, that's, you want to talk about starting off with humility. And you know, even if you are the biggest, baddest mamma jamma in this room, you're still a sheep. This past week, we were on staycation and went to my wife's parents' house. Felt like I was in Beirut in the middle of August. It was about 155 degrees. And I had the great idea to go to... Um, a place called Wild Adventures. It's a theme park. Um, there's Disney. Um, it's like, Lord's telling me to be careful right now. Um, there's Disney. There's Bush Gardens. There's Carowind Six Flags. There's Wild. And then there's Wild Adventures. What is that verse in Psalms? If I go to the depths of Sheol, you are there with me. I can't even remember where I was going with this. This past week, I had a lot to think about. I asked the father, I went for a walk with him, and I said, why am I here? And it wasn't out of like depression. Like, why am I here? I feel like I'm at the halftime of my life. Who knows how many days I have. Paul says, if it was up to him, he'd rather be with the father anyway. But why am I here? And he says, you're here to raise generals. No matter what your career is, no matter what your gift is, no matter what your skill is, your influence is, no matter where you are in the pecking order of the kingdom or whatever metaphors we come up with, there's only one thing that the great ones had in common, only one. It wasn't charisma. They had an insatiable desire to know the Father, including Jesus. Moses, he couldn't stand himself one day. He he didn't even ask God about what it would be like to go to Pharaoh. Moses finally snapped and said, show me your glory. I want to see you. And so Wednesday night at 1.19 a.m., an angel woke me up. I was restless for a little bit, and then I realized what was going on. God wanted to talk to me. I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer, and it took me a minute. So I get up, and uh, I had some time with him, and this is what I said. I said, Father, I want to see you. So I know you hear me. And I love you and I thank you for your forgiveness and compassion over us, over me. I'm asking that you strike me with love lightning. I'm asking that you put your heart inside of my chest and I want to be like you. Jesus, thank you for showing me the Father. Sincerely, I always knew you died for me, but I did not know the Father. You are amazing. Let the enemy know I'm coming for him. Use Bridgeway to raise generals to help millions know you three, all three of you. Holy Spirit, consume me. Please make me the target of your revelation. Then I went to bed about 4.15 a.m. and I had this dream. 
in this dream, I was at Bridgeway. It wasn't this room. It was a double-decker. And the service was only for a reason of prayer and consecration for a coming move of God. We were going to pray that God would just come here. And there's supposed to be 300 people in the room. There's 3,000 in the room. And I walked in. And uh, as soon as I walked in, I just went on stage and I stood there and I didn't know what to say. And I just looked down and I kept praying, uh, tender violence, tender violence, tender violence. And then I just stopped and I said, Father, strike Bridgeway with your heart and with the lightning of love. And when I did, all heaven broke loose. And um, it was a brand new building. The speakers from the ceiling started shaking. They started falling. People started scattering. They were yelling. And I could just see in lights, Acts 2, Acts 2. I think there's actually a recipe for a move of God. And I don't mean to disrespect the way that most churches are run in the West. There's absolutely nothing wrong with having a group of people that meet to help people who've been divorced get through that. There's nothing wrong with that. There's, there's nothing wrong with um, structure and systems and youth groups and children's ministries. But when Acts 2 happened, it was uh, absolutely chaotic. I mean, that's an understatement. <laughs> At 9 o'clock in the morning, Peter's like, listen, nobody's drunk. Everything's fine. And it was chaos. And God was behind the chaos. See, a lot of times people think, well, it's always God if it's shalom and peace. Well, when it comes to moves of God, I wouldn't look at wells and call that very peaceful what happened. I wouldn't look at Toronto and say that. I wouldn't look at Pensacola and say that. And uh, even Azusa did not unite the church. It created great division. Well, what am I trying to say? There is this tender side of the Father that is amazing. The kindness of God, Romans 2, 4, leads man to repentance. But there's this wild side where he doesn't even want to be controlled. He doesn't want to be contained. And he doesn't want you to be weird for the sake of being weird, but he wants you to be wide open to whatever he wants. And I do believe that prophetically the Father has chosen Bridgeway. There's been a corporate hunger building for quite a while. And whatever he wants to do here, the elders leadership here and the people that consider this place home and their members at Bridgeway, there really is only one response to have when, when you can feel something coming. And that is Holy Spirit come and that's all you say. And uh, the dream went on and on. And when I woke up, he just started giving me a lot to downloads. And there's something in this season for the body of Christ worldwide 2017, we are coming up in October, 500 years removed from the Protestant Reformation. I talked to Wendy about having a worship night that week here and just giving God praise for what's happened in the last 500 years. We're all a reflection of that Protestant Reformation. Do you know that the solar eclipse that's coming in August, do you know that Greenville, South Carolina, people are driving, you can Google this, people are driving from all over the country to get to Greenville because Greenville is apparently where you can see it the clearest. The sons of Issachar could discern the times. Something's not normal. Some of you right now, even in here, are like, what's this guy talking about? Well, you know, hey, I'm putting myself out there because I'm not pushing a campaign of, like, barbecue eating contest coming up in October. God's showing me that something abnormally is brewing. Greenville's a very important city to him. And I do believe he has picked Bridgeway to pour himself out at. And 
Ryan Harmony, will you come on stage? Will you come up here for a second? Can I see that microphone? Um, why don't you just flow with it for a second and tell people why you moved from Charlotte? You were sitting back there, I don't know, a year and a half ago? And uh, in the middle of my sermon, here, you call it that. In the middle of my sermon, I didn't know you. And God said, go tell that man to move here. And when I did, you, I love it when I cry hard because it's very embarrassing. You have a, you have a, like a really big cry. And it, so when I gave you that word, I mean, you were just undone. Yeah. Your family just moved here from Charlotte. Right. Uh, in the past, you've been around moves of God. You didn't know you were coming up here this morning. Why'd you, why'd you move here? Because um, uh, we, we made a decision to follow the Lord to Fort Mill from Kansas City, which is another city that this eclipse is going through, which my heart has ties to the house of prayer. And um, we, were, we were going to Fort Mill, and we went there to help build a house of prayer. And lo and behold, it was a divine setup for... An 11-year setup of desert, and it was the Father leading us into the desert so that we could come out. And you know, we we went through a lot of good growth in the desert. Your roots go deep, and um, and uh, as a married couple, we that was all we had. We didn't have this at all. We looked and looked, and um, but the one thing a few years ago, the Lord says like. We just kept, we would pray over, we lived by Morningstar, and we'd pray around that church and that land, and we would, we would just say that we're going to come out of this leaning on our beloved, like in the Song of Songs, and, and um, so, sorry for that little backstory, That's but um, why did we move here? Well, even uh, on our way, I think it was this morning, on our way to church, just, you know, I was driving on one of our back roads, we bought a house down in Simpsonville, and we were just driving, and I just... Saw a little boy riding a little four-wheeler, and I just waved, and the, the guy was kind of like a farmer guy, and he just waved at me. I said, man, there is such a purity and such a just a tenderness over Simpsonville, Greenville. You know, sure, you have a few little parts here and there, but there's still such the Lord's hand is on this place. Like, like I, I, just, I reckon it to just a few other places that I've visited that I've wanted to move to, but the Lord just had this place in general. And, and um, why did we pick here is because... I felt like we could, we could find a people group that are here and that are coming that we could run the race so that we could be, we could be deemed worthy of this calling in our life. And um, I just have found already in the short amount of time we've been here, you know, uh, literally being, being here, we've been coming here about two years, we've just found people already we're running a race with. And it's just, it's a beautiful thing and I'm just, I'm, I'm just, Stoked on what the Lord is about ready to do here. It's, it's why don't you just uh, before I talk about the message behind what's coming, why don't you just pray over this church any way you feel led, speak a blessing over us as this approaching cloud comes. Yeah. Lord, I just um, we just love you. Jesus, you are beautiful. You are lovely. And I just thank you, Father. Lord, you love Bridgeway, you love this church, you love Greenville, Father, you love Simpsonville, Lord, you love the surrounding Greer Taylors, the cities are bound, Lord. You have your hand on this city, Father. You have great things that you are wanting to do, Father. And I just pray for just a spirit of humility to rest in this church, Lord. No, no biting for positions or anything like that, Lord, but that we would find ourselves in you and not through someone else. But we need to be rooted and grounded in the pure side of your son, Jesus. 
You are lovely. You love this place. And you have great things for this land even right here. The things that will come forth from this land right here will impact the nations. Lord, and thank you that we get to be a part of it. It's so cool. You're so awesome. You love each and every one of these people here and the people watching. Lord, you love this place. Thank you for using us for such a time as this, God. Amen. Thank you, Ryan. Um, yeah, give Ryan a hand. That's awesome. So I want to take 15 minutes and I want to talk about the message that's inside that dark glory cloud. Let's go to Luke 15. Father does not just respond to hunger. He really loves to respond to a corporate gathering of people that think like him. Your biggest breakthrough is going to come when you begin to think like him. Because typically people are wired to defend themselves inside of marriages, inside of relationships, inside of jobs. If you can stop to listen long enough to seek to understand who you're with and to throw away all critical thinking and to choose compassion and love and empathy, it's a magnet for the Father to invade you. If you do not feel connected to the Father, perhaps there's something on your end that is stopping the flow. He opposes the proud. So here's this epic story. It goes like this. Once upon a time, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. I wrote these notes down about verse 12. When Jesus is telling the story, I want you to notice a couple of things. Number one, how fast the father allows his son to walk into his own demise. There's two camps on planet earth when it comes to those who are in Christ. You're in the born again camp and you are in Christ as righteous as Jesus. But the born again camp is not the same as the kingdom camp. The born again camp, you still have your own opinions. You go to the father to ask for your inheritance. You make your own decisions. You wave goodbye saying, well, I know enough. I've got enough wisdom in myself. I really don't need you anymore. In the born again camp, it's actually very dangerous because Psalm 24.1 does not apply to you yet, which says that everything in the world is the Lord's owner and everything in it. The born again camp, you're going to heaven when you die, but you're still calling your own shots on the earth. The kingdom camp, the moment you come into the kingdom is when you completely surrender everything, every thought, every dream, every ambition, every decision. The born again camp cannot stand the kingdom camp much because the kingdom camp at times can um, act ignorant when it's not ignorance, it's actually wisdom. In the kingdom's camp, wisdom is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and never lean on your own understanding. I've been told my whole life, never say never. Maybe this sermon should be called, do say never. Never lean on your own understanding. When you walk into your own demise, you know better than the father. Look how fast in the story the father says, go for it. I'll say this, as you're raising up your own kids and spiritual children, a lot of times we think that since we can see that they're walking to their own demise, we should short circuit and get in front of that and you're actually delaying breakthrough for that person. Man, that's very difficult. Is that not difficult? Sometimes with my three kids, because it's not out of anointing, I'm 44 years old, I'm just thinking, Jack, you probably don't want to taste that weed eater while it's going. You probably don't want to do that. And whether it's something like that or other things, we just want to, we want to love that person. And what it really is, is 
is controlling that person. But love's got to look like something, bro. Go back and read this. Uh, can we go back one verse? Oh, there, no, that's it. The younger one, love looks like this. So he divided his property between them. Here you go. It's really scary because the father quickly just let him go do it. This is C.S. Lewis's whole narrative on free will. You shall seek me and you shall find me when you seek me with all of your heart. There is so much predicated upon our obedience and our disobedience that it's actually scary when you read the scriptures. 18 times in the gospels, well, let it be done to you as you believe. John 6, he goes into an Orthodox Jewish temple, preaches the greatest sermon of all time to to many clean Jews who value cleanliness over everything. He says, you must do two things. Listen up, I am Jesus. I am very important. Listen to me, two things. Drink my blood and eat all my flesh. (laughs) Next verse, next verse, many disciples deserted him. A lot of power in scripture is not what he did do, it's what he didn't do. He didn't go chase him down. Then he turns to his number one disciple and says, you gonna leave me too, big guy? The Lord's awesome. He will let you walk into your own demise. I wrote these notes on this verse. It goes something like this. Kingdom ambassadors don't make decisions about what they think is the wise thing to do. They live on Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 every day. There are some absolutes that are all in play at all times. All, never, and all. All right, let's keep reading about this father because this is the story of the father, not the son. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth and wild living. I love when the Lord's telling the story how fast he gets to the, the conflict. Without conflict, there is no good stories. After he spent everything there, I noticed everything. After he blew it all there, there was a severe famine. I love the words here. It wasn't a famine. The Lord is like, he's a great storyteller. Squandered it all. Severe famine. In that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to the field to feed pigs. And he longed to fill his stomach with the pods the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses. Uh, If it all ended for me today, and I had to give like what I've learned in 16 years walking in the kingdom... I was born again at age 12, started walking the kingdom after that. I would say that a person never transforms until he or she comes to their own senses. That's why the first thing out of the Lord Jesus Christ's mouth, when he began his ministry, the first thing out of his mouth, from that time on, Jesus began to preach. The first word he ever said, repent. It's metanoia. It's changed the way you think. It's come to your senses on the correct way of thinking. It is way more powerful to think like the Father and then go after him than to go after him not thinking the way he thinks. Man, I just want to scream that. that is, that's it. You, you say, man, I just I want the next big thing. I, 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 I'm skimming through authors and I'm skimming through pastors and I'm searching the world for what's the biggest revelation. Think like the Father. You know what's interesting? Paul says that we're seated in the heavenly places and that is true. But John the revelator, Jesus said to him, come up here, John, and I will show you. So it's a paradox. Well, am I seated in heavenly places? Yes, but I also must go up there even in my own thinking. Because I see people with the blood of Christ that covers them. They're seated in the heavenly places and they think like demons. You say, well, they're seated in heavenly places. Well, positionally, they're righteous up there, but their mind is way down here. You're from heaven going to heaven and many Christians' minds stay in hell most of their lives while they're on the earth. 
Which is why I think this is why he's going to have to wipe away so many tears when we get to heaven. Why would, you know, if you don't ever get angry at the enemy, you need to ask yourself, am I born again? This ought to make you furious because there's a royal palace that you're already seated in. You're as clean as Jesus. Why not just walk that out? He said, come up here. Come on, get higher. Loosen my lips. All right. This is what I wrote down for verse 17. You never change until you come to your senses. Most people blame a spouse, a parent, their past, a teacher, a friend. We truly get transformed when we take responsibility. Very few ever take responsibility. We church hop looking for a pastor and a staff that fits us better. We skim through authors and speakers. But here's the problem. Wherever you go, there you are. Jesus asked that woman or that man, do you want to get well? Do you want to get well? Take full responsibility. What I notice as a pastor is that many spouses literally think their marriage would be better off if their spouse improved. Here's a great exercise for you this week. Every morning when you brush your teeth, junior high people, do you know what this is? Every morning, every morning when you brush your teeth, look into the mirror and say these words out loud. I put Jesus Christ on that cross. It produces hum- humility inside of you because you realize you ain't better than anyone else. Paul would even say, consider everyone better than yourselves. My wife uh, had a conversation with someone recently about who killed Jesus. And I've never been so proud of my wife. I was like, babe, you're turning me on right This is amazing. <laughs> she, she, they were arguing about, was it Romans? Was it Jews? She said, I killed Jesus. It produces humility in us, gets rid of critical thinking. We step in with compassion and all of a sudden people screaming out, oh God, come with a mighty cloud and move in a mighty way. God wants to move with friends, not servants. And his cloud is attracted to people who aren't just going after him, but are thinking the way he thinks. And if I cast a critical thought at someone, I've already disqualified myself from friendship with him because he's not that way. Matter of fact, I even looked up the definition for critical uh, during worship a minute ago. And um, some synonyms, it's expressing or involving an analysis of merits and faults. Uh, It's evaluative, it's analytical, it's interpretive. In that way, it's okay. But the definition that most people have of criticism is this, expressing criticism or disapproval. The father knows how to evaluate, but he does not express disapproval. Even people in their deepest and darkest sins. In this story, he sends the son on his way. He's critical. He's evaluative of what's about to happen. The father knew what was going to happen. But when this goes down and he realizes the mistake he's made, there's no critical spirit in the father. Most people cannot connect with the father because you genuinely believe he is critical towards you. He's not. It's not possible. The woman caught in the act of adultery in the, in, the, um, in the law, it said stoner. The father has a critical eye, but he doesn't have a critical spirit. And if this church could only learn one thing between now and Christmas, I am begging us to step into 
Critical thinking, yes, it's great. I'm getting a doctorate now. I love critical thinking. Get rid of all critical spirit. It is a magnet of heaven. It is a magnet of angelic activity. It is a, it is a magnet to everything. When you think like the Father, benefits come with that. Metanoia is changing the way you think. A lot of people have roadblocks everywhere in your life, but you're going after God's heart and you get stuck all the time because you're going after a God that's not wired the way you are. You ought to start off with two things every morning when you brush your teeth. I put Jesus on that cross and the Father loves me as much as Jesus. I'm clean, I'm holy, I'm forgiven. When you, when you get proper theology, which theology is just a word that means thinking about God, it puts you in a posture to receive blessing upon blessing upon blessing. It is way more powerful to think like the Father than anything else. And this is what the Father thinks like. So I'm building my faith, not just based upon a prophetic word. This is him right here. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have to spare, have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and you. I wonder what that meant. I have sinned against heaven and you. I studied a lot this week. And basically, I had to go to a Jewish commentary that that word heaven there. It was just an expression of there is none higher than you. There's none higher than you. The person at the top of the food chain is the father. Jesus even said that in John 14, 28. But here's a principle. You have to come to your senses and turn back towards him. And that's when you do, Daniel Culpepper. That's when you did in that jail cell. It wasn't just God moving in your life. You cried out, correct? When you stop and turn, I don't care if you're in Daniel's story, if you're in the middle of your addiction right now, if you're hopeless right now, on the scale of one to 10, if 10 being the worst it's ever been or one not being that bad, you have to come to your senses, accept responsibility and turn back to the father. And then this is what happened. That hurricane of love comes. Go to the next verse. And then here's, what, here's, here's where it is. This story's not about a son. It's about Papa. But while he was a long way off, the father saw him and was filled with compassion I had a friend of mine that went on a 40-day fast. He got off the fast. He was crying so hard in my office, and he said, I finally figured everything out. Everything's about compassion. You see, you can love someone and your feelings be detached from it, but the moment you have compassion, your feelings get involved, and you actually empathize with the person. The father doesn't just love because love is sacrificial. He also has compassion, and he empathizes. Jesus wept. He feels for you. He loves you. He doesn't give up on you. I'm stirred up right now. I just wish I could rip the veil and get my eyes on him because he's the greatest thought humanity's ever had. No matter where you are, no matter where your marriage is, no matter where your finances are, he's, God is love. Look at this passage in Romans. Can we put that passage? And I'm over time by a minute, but I'm going to read this. The Romans, is it? Yeah. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, present, future, or any powers... Neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. When the storm cloud comes to Bridgeway, there's only one message and that's it. The world's starving for compassion. They need compassion. Be compassionate to yourself. Start with the people close to you. Be compassionate with your spouse. Don't just love and sacrificially lay down your life for someone, but internally you're like this, like, well, I'm just doing this because this is what the Lord did for me. Enter their pain. Be the wounded healer. Listen instead of always trying to get your story out first. That was a good sermon. All right. All right. Um, I'm going to ask our prayer service to come forward. And we just want to pray for people today for anything. Just for anything. 
If you are, are if you're, if you're this guy, will you just stand up right now? If you're in that season, you are just, you're not connected to the Father. You're not in a good place. I just want to speak a blessing over you. Is there anyone? That is awesome. You know, bless you. I pray favor upon you. Is there anyone else? Can we have some um, people please uh, lay hands on this young lady back here and just bless her with the love of the Father? Anyone else? Um, over here. Listen to me. I don't care what you've done. I don't care if you snorted cocaine before you walked in here. Some of you right now, you're on oxycodone right now and, and you don't even have prescription for it. The Father loves you in the middle of it. In the middle of it. In the middle. Some of, if you have drugs in your car right now, he loves you. If, if, if you are in the middle of a sexual addiction, he loves you. His flames, his flames in his eyeballs, his flames of eyes, they're full of love. They're full of love. In my dream the other night, I'm not allowed to talk about it yet, but I had an encounter. He loves, he loves, he doesn't stop loving. The hurricane that's coming here is about love. It's not about judgment. Don't listen to these preachers talking about God's about to pour his judgment out. He poured his judgment out on Jesus Christ, his son. He loves. He loves. If you're beating yourself up because you're on medications for depression, he loves you. If you're on your third marriage, he loves you. He loves, he has compassion over you. Let's stand up and let me speak a blessing over us. May you have revelation of the compassion of God this week where you cry in the middle of the day because it overcomes you. Holy Spirit come in Jesus' name, amen.